0: Sign up today for your risk free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WYNNbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers, Divers, Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by TJ Ward at the four yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on Overtime Media. Mile High. Hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Del Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle, senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, we just got done talking to Scott behind the scenes, man. The Super Bowl halftime show. Dude. That was so awesome. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I It's not necessarily the music I listen to on a daily basis, but to like do the throwback, still Dre you got Snoop Dogg in there. Um, you've got uh, 50 Cent hanging upside down from the Rafters. I mean, he looks like 60 Cent, but uh, 50 Cent is actually his name. Um, the the Eminem part at the end there, Mary J. Blige was killing it. Dude, so much nostalgia, just great music to listen to. What was your thoughts on the uh, Super Bowl? And, and also, man, how are you doing?
1: I mean, I I love the halftime show. I watched the first half of the game just because I didn't want to. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss the halftime show. Once it was announced, I was super hyped for it. I mean, I listened to Dr. Dre, to Snoop, to Eminem quite often. Um, I, I could have done without Mary J, Jerry Mary J Blige. I could have done without um, not Fifty Cent, but the other one, Ken, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, I never even heard of him until this announcement. Um, I. I know he's kind of newer school rap, hip-hop, and I'm just not a big fan of the new school stuff. 50 Cent, I liked. I mean, so I was super hyped for it. I really enjoyed it. Um, we went, sat down with my wife, got home off, uh, got home from work, and we watched it together again, and it was just still super entertaining. And the game itself, man, like, the first half, I was super bored. Like, I, I was so bored through the first half. I turned it off after this halftime show, and then, like, I started seeing that stuff for- – the tweets popping up about how exciting the second half was kind of getting. And man, I got really frustrated about um, who the, was it Tyler Boyd with the face mask on Jalen yeah. Rams. The other big yeah. touchdown? Like that was upsetting, but Hey, the Rams got the call back with that weird bad pass interference call against Logan Wilson. Yep. Yeah. So like penalties kind of were ended up balancing out a little bit and ended up being a good game. I'm happy with the results. I'm glad Von Miller got his second ring. I'm glad Matthew Stafford got his ring like Aaron Donald. I'm glad he got his ring. So I was happy with the results. And overall, I enjoyed what I saw of the game, but uh, definitely was glad that I didn't sit down and waste my whole day to watch the whole game.
0: Yeah. I was actually surprised. So after the, um, after the, was it? T. Higgins or whichever one, the, the big face mask penalty on the touchdown. Um, they went down and, and scored a touchdown right there. And then, um, the, the Rams turned around and gave the ball right back. I'm like, here we go. Cincinnati actually has a chance to, to win this game and they couldn't do anything with it. They, they gave it right back. Um, and then of course, you know, Matthew Stafford doing his his thing at the end of the game there, driving him down. Big touchdown pass. I believe it's a Cooper Cup to to take the lead there. Um, my stepson Jace was crushed at that particular moment. He was just completely heartbroken and uh damn near inconsolable. It actually got pretty bad. We'll we'll get into that in another time. But uh yeah, it was it was a great game, it was a lot of fun. It shows you like desperately, I mean you can have all the talent in the world and a, an elite player at the quarterback position, but if you don't have the offensive line to protect him, then you're going to struggle. I mean, seven sacks. Aaron Donald had two. I believe Von Miller had two. <clears throat> that linebacker, I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head, had another one there. Um, Burrow played amazingly for for what it was. A lot of quick reads and stuff like that. But uh, Matthew Stafford just kind of hanging around and driving down. That's the, that's the elite-level quarterback play you need to have. In crunch time, like in the biggest moments, you need your quarterback to step up, go to your biggest players and and just continue to make plays. And like the, out of everything that you can take away, protect your quarterback and then also have a guy that can go and make the biggest plays in the biggest moments. Because without those two things, you're not getting into that game ever again. Like quite honestly, yeah. I mean, you can I see mean, Stafford come back around to it. But Burrow, unless they build an offensive line for him, it could be hard to get there.
1: I'm. I'm not saying I disagree, but I don't fully agree with what you're saying. Like, right? There's so many issues on the Rams that Matthew Stafford had to overcome. They're one of the worst running offenses all yes. season long, and they weren't having any success. So many injuries to his playmakers at the at, at wide receiver and tight end. Mm-hmm. I mean, losing Odell Beckham Jr. in the game, yep. and having to rely on um, Ben Squirrel or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. how you say his name. Like, big things. I mean, he still had Cooper Cup who in my opinion was very deserving of the Super Bowl MVP. And like Joe Burrow, like he has the weapons. They still need to make a solid offensive line. Doesn't have to be a great thing. Like if as long as you have the quarterback, you can overcome a lot. You still have to have some pieces around him. And I think yeah. that often gets lost in the conversation of, oh, without a quarterback you're you're not competing. Is that you still have to have other pieces. It's just the quarterback can overcome so much. We saw that with the Peyton Manning teams. He overcame so much, but there can be a time when the deficiencies around him showed up yep. um, and so with so many other quarterbacks, with John Elway for all the Super Bowls that he lost, is eventually those deficiencies show up, show up no matter how good the quarterback is. It's just how good can the quarterback overcome it to get you into the race? And with the Bengals, I mean, Joe Burrow was good enough to get them into the race, get them to that game, and the deficiencies that they had just weren't overcomable, not against a guy like Aaron Donald, who would have who been the only other option really for a M- for Super Bowl MVP in that game.
0: Yeah, the way he took over the second half after uh, the offensive lineman for Cincinnati went and punched him in the face multiple times towards the end of the first half, uh, chasing Joe Burrow out of bounds and everything. Um, th- don't poke the bear, guys. Like, that's the best defensive player in football, arguably the best player in football right now. Um, and, and he deserved all of the credit that he got for that. And hopefully he doesn't retire. There's rumblings running about right now that he could be on his way out of the NFL, which would be an absolute shame. But... Enough about the Super Bowl, guys. You guys are watching the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast where we we cover the Denver Broncos here. And, guys, you guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also for Scott Kennedy, who is behind the glass tonight, running the ones and twos at Scout Kennedy. Also guys, while you are at it, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's some other account where you guys are going to get breaking news and analysis, opinion articles, um, film breakdowns, anything regarding your Denver Broncos. That's where you guys are going to get it. And if you guys are on Facebook, make sure you go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle and click that blue become a supporter button. Um, It's a great way to get premium content like the Trickle Zone, which is coming with all of the premium draft content. You'll get Kelberman's Corner as as well, and also uh, Broncos Book Club with Chad Jensen. Now, with that, guys, we're going to say hello to some people in the chat here. We have Lawrence, who dropped some uh, stars on Facebook. Just want to say hey to you, buddy. Um, It has a question here as well, I think. Yeah. What can the NFL do for all these penalties going on? Man, full-time those officials. Just make them full-time. That's the easiest way to do that. But But even even, then, it's not going to change.
1: I was gonna say, even then, if you make them full time, is that really gonna make a difference in how many penalties are called? So many, so much of it is just super subjective.
0: Yeah. It it really I mean it, you got to imagine these guys are running 20 miles an hour plus. I mean some of these guys 22 23 miles an hour in full gear. Like you know how fast this game happens? It's it's incredibly difficult to see all of these things and breaking it down slow by uh, slow motion play but like frame by frame on every single play basis you can see so much more. So uh you got to give the guys at least a little bit of credit. Now if it's egregious then that's a completely different conversation. But anyways, guys, uh 2 weeks from I believe it's Tuesday is the start of the NFL scouting combine in uh, Indianapolis. So today we're going to be talking about defensive players. We're going to break down the defense this week. Next week, we're going to break down the offensive side of the football. Um talking about players specifically for um, – Uh, For the Denver Broncos, guys, it kind of fit what what the the Broncos are going to be running this year, um, fitting some of the needs that the Broncos potentially have outside of the quarterback position, um, interior defensive linemen today, edge defenders, linebackers, um, cornerback as well. Maybe not so much the safeties. We'll get into that if we have some time. But uh, those are the four positions we're really going to take a look at. Uh, Black Knight, Jeremy, jumping in here on Twitch. So here's a question for you guys. Would you rather have Trevor Penning or Traylon Burks? I'm assuming at number nine overall. Eric, what do you think, man? That's a tough question.
1: It it is tough. Um d- to provided that Denver still has a first round pick, which likely means no trade for a veteran quarterback, which means that there's Jerry Judy still likely on the team than Trevor Penning. Yeah. Um, just because he's for me, he's right there with Traylon Burks on my board and he feels a bigger position in need. I think he's super scheme versatile. I think he's I like his attitude. I've spoken to some people who his attitude from the from the senior bowl was kind of a little bit much for them and, or not necessarily his attitude, his ferocity was a little bit much for them. Um, I really like him. I've been a big fan of him for a while. He did drop a little bit. He's no longer. And I think my, no longer in my top 12, but he's still in my top 20 big fan of him. I like what he can bring for the Broncos. I, I hope he can bring stability to at the right tackle position that the Broncos need. And also black Knight, I saw you also mentioned about the um, late night show from, from us with chad and working on it like keep trying it's something that i really want to do i just doubt it'll ever happen
0: yeah we can we can keep hoping for sure we can definitely (laughs) keep hoping um and maybe one of these days we'll convince him to do it and and have some fun with that but uh, for now you get just regular DVD with me you know enjoying myself eric enjoying himself but uh anyways guys so I heard an interesting take the other day, and it actually kind of rings true. NFL rosters are not 53-man rosters. They're 1 plus 52, where the quarterback position is, you know, where everything starts. Like, you have to have the the elite quarterback. However, if you're building a roster the correct way, you need to build from the inside out. So, we're talking in the trenches. Like, your trench play matters the most. Being able to run the football and protect the quarterback, and then also on the other side, being able to stop the run and you know, go sack the quarterback. So we're going to start off this conversation on the interior defensive line. Uh, Guys that are at the scouting combine, obviously everybody knows who Jordan Davis is, the big interior defensive lineman for uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, There's a lot of top 15 love with him. There's some potential love to him going to number nine overall with the Denver Broncos. Kind of limited in what he's able to do, but uh, still at the same time, a very intriguing player. Eric, at the combine, what could you potentially look at him that could nail him down as a top 15 pick?
1: I mean, just being a extraordinary athlete testing extremely well in that department, going all like Dontari Poe on the combine, like mm-hmm. being that big, that heavy, and just running out of the building, like just showing elite athleticism would probably cement him there. Because guess what? If you have that, then you're going to bet on that upside for his ability to get it after the quarterback and not be just a limited 2 gap run defender that so many seem to think he is. Yeah. Um, I think it offers up a little bit more of a pass rush than others, but there's still limitations there that we've seen on tape. So if he does that, I mean, that's – teams like to bet on athleticism. They like to bet on power because the football aspect of things, you can always coach.
0: Yeah, something it doesn't necessarily matter um to me because you can lift weights all day and and have that you know just straight physical strength uh there's more so uh, an aspect of functional strength and how you use the strength that you do have to move that weight around um being able to use your hands the right way and stuff push and pull and, and do the swim moves and have athleticism to be able to use that strength in the right way but man I'm intrigued to see how many times this kid can push up 225. Like I really am. I think he could probably go over 40. Like he's going to potentially push the combine record. This dude's strong as Knox, man. He's also what three hundred and eighty some odd pounds or something like. He's huge. This guy's gigantic, and you can see it on tape too. He does a really good job of getting underneath the people's other uh, under, underneath the offensive linemen's pad levels. Uh, he works well against double teams. He pushes people back, and then he can rip and swipe, and then you know get after the passer and that kind of an aspect. So to see the uh, the amount of strength that he has, uh, just to put that into a number where it's two hundred twenty five pounds, that's a lot, guys. Like if he's going to push up what forty five or fifty reps potentially. I'm curious to see if he's actually going to do it. Uh, Travis Weber jumping in here. Uh, Good evening, Lance and Eric in Broncos country. How would you guys feel if Denver did keep the number nine pick and went corner again and drafted Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati since we could possibly be depleted in the defensive backs? Eric, what do you think on Sauce Gardner?
1: I like Sauce Gardner. Um, If he's the top corner available, then I'd be fine with it. Um, I mean, you're looking at losing Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan, uh, Michael Ojemudia hasn't shown enough to bet on him. Ronald Darby has played one full season in his career. Patrick Sertan, hopefully doesn't have that sophomore slump. Hopefully he's able to continue this upward trend. So it's a not only you're losing a couple guys, you're still unproven. You still have medical concerns. So Adding another guy, even though he's it's another unproven aspect, adding another piece to this corner room is something that I think has to be done. Um, I think that they will look at trying to keep possibly one of Callahan or Fuller with more of a um, preference for Callahan. Um, But that still gives you medical concerns with it. So, yeah, I'd be fine with it. I like Sauce quite a bit. He's not a top 10 player for me. But, I mean, after you get get past, like, the top few, it's just so clustered that where they are in, like, top 10, top 20 isn't a major big deal to me this year, not like other years.
0: Yeah. Uh, To me – Don't get me wrong. I love Sauce Gardner and the ability to have two press man cornerbacks on the outside in Pat Sertan and Sauce Gardner. Like that's that's great to have. Um, Another thing, you also have Ronald Darby, who plays primarily on the outside anyways. So he may not be the best press man coverage corner, but he's a really good just straight up man coverage corner. To me, I think that the versatility that you can get out of Patrick Sertan and putting him in the slot a little bit—it's not going to be the best with his change of direction ability because he doesn't necessarily have that very, very much. But the physicality that you have with him—if you want to run straight, three good length cornerbacks that you that you have that could potentially play some press—Sauce Gardner would be a, a, a good pick there. Stingley as well. If you wanted to go Derek Stingley Jr. and bet on the, the injury upside and everything like that, you could definitely go in that direction, but. Andrew Booth is a guy that really intrigues me. I think that there's some more versatility with him, and that would be the direction that I would go over over either of Stingley or Sauce Gardner, and that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, with Stingley, you have a – there's a lot of injury stuff going about him. I mean, multiple big-time media people, Dane Brugler, Lance Irline, the guys over at the Draft Network, Daniel Jeremiah, um, Bucky Brooks, and multiple others have consistently hit on this topic of the injuries with Derek Stingley Mm -hmm. that when he's on the field, taking plays off efforts, not fully there that to in rehab to come back from injuries. He wasn't like the most motivated person. So those are a lot of concerns for me. And it's not like um, I mentioned him on here before and those concerns and like the Caleb Farley, the um, treatment from last year, well, Caleb Farley, he was at least pushing himself to get back out there on the field, pushing himself um, in in rehab and stuff like that. And the concerns with seeing is that's not the case. Right. So the injuries right. are similar there, but big difference. And this, we have a picture of number 99 is Jordan Davis. We were just talking about him. And number 95 is Devontae Wyatt, who's got pretty good size for an interior defensive lineman just to show how massive Jordan Davis is. And it's just insane how big he is. There was another picture of him um, circulating around a while back of him and sitting with one of the coaches. And the coach didn't – the top of his head wasn't even past Jordan Davis's shoulders. It's just insane how massive that dude is.
0: Yeah, Devontae Wyatt's like 6'1", 3'10", 3'15", something like that. He's a big dude. And Jordan Davis, for the people that weren't watching this live or listening after the fact or just listening on audio later, um, Jordan Davis is – Head and shoulders taller than Devontae Wyatt is. He's like six seven three, sixty three seven, something like that. Just massive human being, and there's not an ounce of fat on him. It's almost like looking at Aaron Donald, but six foot eight, like it just completely ripped. This guy's a monster. It's it's crazy to think about that. Um, and Devonte, Devonte Wyatt six three. Scott coming in after the fact. Devonte Wyatt is six foot three, and Jordan Davis is standing head and shoulders over the top of him in that picture. It's just. Wild, how big that guy is! Now, getting back to it all here, a couple of other interesting names. Obviously, you have both of the Alabama guys that are going to be at the at the combine in Fidarian Mathis and Lebron Ray. Um, you also have Perion Winfrey, who we took in a mock draft a couple of weeks ago. Uh, another guy, no, that... me
1: give me, Aaron- me Perion Winfrey. I would take him on this Broncos team. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he he could he could be something he could be special on this Broncos defense
0: yes absolutely he could Uh, another guy and Eric this is one that you've been pounding the table for for a while I guess not really pounding the table but you just keep mentioning him in our group chat all the time you've mentioned him here on DVD as well is uh Travis Jones the the nose tackle kind of one tech three tech kind of a kid from uh the University of Connecticut this kid again like Jordan Davis is just a bull he's not quite as there's not very many people on this planet that are as big as Jordan Davis is, but uh um yeah, like uh Travis Jones is a guy who dominated the senior bowl. We've got some clips coming up here for you guys as well. Um big, strong, athletic, get some big dip into him, um, powerful hands, violent hands, uh, big at the strike point, can handle double teams like this kid's. Phenomenal man, out of the three, if you're going to take uh Perion Winfrey, Travis Jones, or let's just throw in Federian Mathis there, which is the one that you think fits the best on this team, and which one would you be in that like where would you go if you had the the choice to go with that?
1: Uh, Travis Jones and Perion Winfrey. I mean, um, Perion Winfrey and Travis Jones are two very different style defensive linemen. Um, Federian Mathis is somewhere kind of in between the two, Jordan Davis is just an, really just an inside guy i think travis jones has a little bit more versatility to play along the line um not the most versatile he's still he's like six three um 330 ish somewhere around there off the top of my head so he's got a he's got good size he's got good strength He's really athletic for his size can get after can push the pocket and has some moves to get after the quarterback and i trust him in those regards a little bit more than jordan davis but Perion winfrey if you're looking for a standard four eye four technique five technique like there you go and he's a guy who if he's not getting after the quarterback he's going to be patient he's going to watch the quarterback's eyes and he's going to go for the batted pass at the line of scrimmage he's really improved in his technique last year during the 2020 season uh, I didn't wasn't a big fan of Perry on Winfrey. I was really low on him, and he just – he took a huge step forward this year, far more consistent with his technique, far more consistent against the run, and just being able to – allowing him to shoot gaps and get after the quarterback, create problems in the backfield, like pairing him opposite of Draymond Jones, even if he's coming in as a depth piece behind Shelby Harris for this year, like I would be – all I, I'd be all over that. Like Denver used needs a piece like that.
0: Yeah. And Shout out to Peter Middleton there. He's talking about taking a right tackle in the first round cornerback and edge defender in the second round. And if the Broncos don't go and use that ammunition to go and get like Aaron Rodgers or what Russell Wilson or something like that. Um, I'd be all about that. Fill those needs, fill those needs because those are probably the three biggest needs that this team has almost in order. Like I think edge is probably a bigger need in my opinion. Um, You can go, we've talked about it last week, go get Bobby Massey back, maybe dip into the tackle market a little bit. Um, This tackle class is a little bit deeper. Uh, The edge class is as deep as it is, and you can get guys on the second and third day um, that could come in and potentially be starters dip into the top end of this edge class, man, and go get uh, a David Ojabo or Jermaine Johnson, um, maybe a George Karloftis. Like there's there's a lot of guys you can get on day one and then double dip into the back end of, of day two, you know, or early day three, something like that. But the tackle class, the meat of it really is, uh, you've got what the top three guys, um, and Evan Neal, Ike and um, Charles Cross. And then there's Penning, who's kind of just there. Bernard Raymond, who's uh, you know tail end of the first round guy. But the meat of it, you got Max Mitchell. You've got Braxton Jones in there uh, on day two. Um, there's another couple of guys that are escaping me off the top of my head right now. Um, but uh, you can go get a starter at right tackle on day two for sure. So to me, go edge first and then go with uh, with right tackle cornerback. Uh, Michael jumping in here with a massive stars donation. Wow. Holy cow, Michael. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, Good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Uh, Good evening, Broncos country. And Scott, go Broncos from Tucson, Arizona for life. And as always, Michael, we definitely appreciate all of your support, man. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. Where are we at here? So let's go back to Devontae Wyatt here, Eric. Um, Devontae Wyatt, what what do you think about him for, for a potential Broncos fit?
1: I mean, I like him. Uh, it's I like any. I really like a lot of the top guys at this interior defensive line class. Um, Wyatt, he's a solid run defender. He's solid. I mean, more than solid, getting after the quarterback. Um, I question how much upside he really has to be like that, um, like the top dog on the defensive line. But I mean, pairing him with Draymond Jones, you can have two really good players that complement each other, complement each other very well. And if you can get a big piece in the middle, um, a guy like somebody a little bit later on, um, John Ridgway or somebody like that to fill the middle and help them on the outside a little bit, help those four I five techniques, then Wyatt it could be a really good piece in this defensive front. Again, shooting one gap or even playing gap and a half is something that Wyatt it can do very well.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like E.G. Rowe Everett wants to bring in kind of a similar scheme, that one and a half gap, um, sticking with a 3-4 base, going obviously nickel a lot here. Um, going to be very multiple on the front side of the defense. Um, sounds like he wants to bring some more pressure. So having some guys that can one gap and be penetrators, Wyatt actually fits that role re- really well. Um, I haven't really broken down John Ridgeway yet, but it sounds like he's another guy that can really get after the passer as far as a one gap interior penetrator. So. Uh, he Gary, he did a ahead. lot
1: in he did a lot in college, um. Just how he won, I just don't think is the most is the easiest to translate to the NFL. So I question how consistent he can get after the quarterback in the NFL. I still like think he offers up some potential there and some solid and some pretty good run defense. But I mean, there's a reason why he's being talked about as an early day three, or late day two option compared to these other big interior defensive linemen, these zero techs like Travis Jones and um, Jordan Davis. Ridgway just isn't – he's just not going to be as good of an athlete as those guys are.
0: Right, absolutely. and I, but, Like I said, I haven't really broken him down, but what the little bit that I have seen with him, you can definitely tell the athleticism with Wyatt, with um, with Travis Jones, um, even Fedarian Mathis, who isn't necessarily the greatest athlete, is probably a little bit better suited for that than John Ridgway. But there's a lot of technical aspects that I like with John Ridgway that you can actually work with, and he has the, the ability to grow and mold. He's still a little bit raw on the inside, so that's a guy that I really like probably early – day three if you can get him uh somewhere just inside the top 100 then you could you probably got a pretty decent player a shout out to gary who had a comment up talking about the edge depth want to give him a shout out really fast and then travis jumping in here travis weber on facebook Uh, i like the mocks taking utah linebacker devin lloyd who played both inside and edge in college Uh, i'm going to jump this off really fast i do like devin lloyd uh the the tape is hard to not like I'm with Nick Kendall on this one, though, and Eric, I think you are as well. So, correct me if I'm wrong here. Linebacker that high is just a little rich for me, um, especially with guys like Lloyd, where you're not necessarily necessarily sure the role that he's going to have. I think you do play him off the ball in this defense and use that athleticism. He's decent in coverage. He's still got some room to grow there. But at nine overall, you're looking for like a Ray Lewis type or like Devin White or a. um, I I don't want to say Devin White, but. Devin White's not a good option. But well, Devin White's
1: been pretty bad. I mean, you want – if you're getting Fred Warner. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you take that top ten. That, I'm just not sure Devin Lloyd is Fred Warner. Um, I like Devin a lot. He's my top linebacker, and for me, he's still a top ten player in this draft. It's just the value of his position. because He's just he's just going to be an off-ball linebacker in the NFL. He's not going to play off the edge. He may blitz from the inside, but, yeah, he's just going to be off-ball. Um, He's good in coverage. Um, you uh, with most linebackers, you don't want him caught in the slot against the slot receiver. I mean, otherwise,
0: you're going to have a bad day. But, well, I mean, uh, look at look at what happened in the Rose Bowl with uh, yeah. uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly the point. I mean, as, it's the case with any linebacker. He's smart. He's instinctive. He's got good sideline to sideline range. He's got good speed in his back pedal to go back get back in coverage. You can do a lot of things with him in coverage. It's just. How much value is that and there's a lot of talk talking with some people about evro and basically look for the kind of the base defense for the broncos to be more three three five with that's looking five one five and so they want a good athlete at it and it sounds like that they're just pushing for baron browning to kind of be the linebacker they'll want to add depth a little bit but if you're adding a depth piece at linebacker like not nine overall like it just seems that the number two linebacker is going to have a lot more limited of a role in the Evero defense than what we saw in Vic Fangio's defense. Right. And one difference that we'll have between the two schemes.
0: And and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Peter jumping in here with a great question. Uh, How much input will our new coordinators have in choosing free agents and drafting players? Um, I I don't know much about this, but I I do want to kind of bounce off an idea here. Um, I I don't remember who it was that that actually kind of incorporated this ideal, but what it was was essentially – we're going to bring in all of our coordinators and position coaches. We have the scheme that we want to run and we want to hear the position coaches is actually the guys you want to talk to send your scouts out to find the guys that your position coaches like to coach the kind of players that you want to have. And then have those guys be a little bit more of a sounding board for you in terms of like where you're going to draft your players, the players you are going to go get in free agency and stuff like that. And then the coordinator say, okay, well, I can use this kind of a skill set. Let's go and kind of take a look at this. It's kind of more of a ladder step approach, more than just the general manager and the scouting staff doing everything and then throwing these players at these coaches and say, you know, make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what, you know, like, there's got to be some input from these coaches and there's got to be some input from these coordinators because players that they can, they, they know that they oh, have an idea bro, how to use them. That's a, that's bro, a big plan. key to me.
1: Michael Ronquillo came in with another huge stars donation. Thank you, Michael, so much for your continued support, not just for Dove Valley deep Divers, but for every single one, man. Holy like, cow. Your support is awesome. Having you in here is just always awesome. You always have some good questions. When you give them, like,
0: thank you so much for your support. It means it, so much to us. you just set the record for the, the MHA Stars donation right there. Like, holy cow. That's just insane, man. Michael, thank you, dude. It, again, your continued support here is just phenomenal, man. And we definitely, definitely appreciate you. And now, Travis, Travis showing up, showing some love here, too, as well. will say. Michael Ronquillo has been an absolute all-stars on the stars, uh, it, it, not only tonight, but over the past several weeks here. Dude, speechless. speechless. Now,
1: back to the question about the coordinators. I mean, you never want to give your coordinators players that they don't want. And real quick, Damon Bass came in with some stars. Thank you for joining us, Damon. Thank you for your support as well. Yeah, um, Always awesome. Doesn't matter. How many stars you give? Your support's always appreciated and is always welcome and awesome. But you never want to give your coordinators players that they don't want to work with. That's when you end up seeing a little bit of problems. Um, There's plenty of examples over the years. I'm not going to get into because I know it's going to just start fights in the chat. Um, But you don't want to do that. So yeah, you get input input from your coaches. You don't want to force players on coaches. You want them to have guys they can work with. You want them to have skill sets that they can use. And just a lot of what Lance was saying is, you want that in your from your coaches. You want that input because you don't want your front office and your coaching staff butting heads. You want them working together, and when you have them working together, that helps you build a championship team. You don't want—I mean, you don't want to give your coaches a quarterback they don't want. You don't want to give your um, coaches wide receivers that they don't really want to use or can use in their scheme, because quite frankly, even more modern coaches, there's a lot of stubbornness with their scheme of that. They'll try to fit guys who are square pegs into round holes, trying to make them fit in their scheme when they're just not the best fit in their scheme because they're betting on the athleticism. So they, they have this whole thing that they kind of have to work around and make work. And it's not easy. If it was easy, then there would be a bunch of people getting paid a bunch of bucks, a bunch of money for just being consistently great with it. I mean, um, even great coaches and general managers oh they always have those bad picks so yeah there's no 100% for sure formula it's just always a work in progress always just working together and trying to move forward
0: right and going back to the schemes and everything with the coordinator specifically like you know the, these guys watch way more football than we do like the, let's not kid ourselves here and they they know what they're looking for they know what they know what they're looking at they're they they understand the weaknesses and the deficiencies of their other team and you know maybe they might be watching another team and saying hey you know look at like for example what the uh the 49ers are doing with Debo Samuel you know I'm Nathaniel Hackett. Hey, I need a guy like that. A guy that's kind of built a little bit thicker in the chest, has the ability to run the football. Um, and we can put him out in the slot, throw him outside, th- send him deep. Just a guy that wears multiple hats, a guy that has a lot of versatility. We can kind of use him more of as uh, as like an offensive weapon, more than just a specific, you're going to play this and you're, this is your, going to be your responsibility. We're going to give you the ball in multiple different ways. Traylon Burks, for example, like so you're going to go and you're going to say, this is the kind of player that I'm looking for. And you're going to send that out to your scouts. You're going to send it and kind of talk with that, with your position coaches, and they're going to go find that player for you. And then you're going to pound the table and say, all right, I need Traylon Burks right now. This offense needs a Traylon Burks, or they, they need a Calvin Austin from Memphis or whatever that potentially may be. That's how it should work. It should be a collaborative effort, not just some guy throwing darts at a wall and hoping that something sticks and you actually hit a player that is worth a grain of salt. So, I hope that in-depth answer helps get you in the right direction. I hope we answered your question here. Uh, White- why Whiting comes
1: in saying, I'd like to see them trade back from 9 to 15 to 20, the range, to get more draft capital and pick up a right tackle or edge. Then use some capital to trade back up into late first and get the other spot you didn't p- take with the first pick, either right tackle or the edge. Um, man, I'm always, I'm always for trading back. It's always a... Big thing for me, I'm very much of that belief of the more dart you have to throw, the more likely you are to hit the bullseye. Um, I'm very much of that belief. Trading back this year, I, that's what I want Denver to do. If they end up having the ninth overall pick, I don't want them making the pick at number nine. Um, I want them to move back, get that capital. I just think that we need to temper our expectations on what that capital is going to be. I don't think Denver is going to get a high pick in 2023 for it they're not going to get a first round. I don't think they'll get a second round, maybe a third. I think they're more likely to get like sim- pretty similar to 2019 to the trade that we got from the Pittsburgh Steelers when they were moving up from 20 to 10. Similar to that, but still a little bit less in overall value coming back just because of how this class is structured because even 2019, well they didn't have like all those elite quarterbacks like we had last year. They had a couple. They were got they were well gone by then by pick 10 but we still had multiple tier one prospects that we just don't have this year. Like tier one prospects. If any of them last last past five, then you're probably going to see a bull rush to try to get up into like five or into six, seven, eight to go get that pick. And you're not going to be there at nine Um, quarterbacks. I mean, maybe a team gets desperate and comes and gives big to try to get up there getting up and around these other teams that also maybe want looking at quarterbacks. It's hard to say at this point, I just, Overall, I just don't think that the what we get what Denver would get in return is gonna be as much as we would see in more standard, more typical years with how draft classes are kind of structured.
0: Yeah. It's funny to me that you mentioned the trade in 2019 with the Pittsburgh Steelers because, quite honestly, if there's a team that I'm looking to move with, it would be Pittsburgh because you know that they're going to be looking at a quarterback. Specifically, I've heard some uh, rumblings around not only Twitter, um, listen to the radio, um, some people I've talked with as well privately. Um, The Steelers are really sold on Kenny Pickett. And if Pickett falls to number nine and he's available there, and you're not sold on Kenny Pickett, let's say you know you – want to trade back kind of bolster up the roster you miss out on the on the uh, um you miss out on Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson and you still have number 9 and Kenny Pickett's not your guy Trading back with Pittsburgh actually makes a lot of sense. You already have the the rapport there. Well, I guess not really with with George Payton. It'd be more so with John Elway. But still, the the idea still remains the same. You go and, and take Pittsburgh for what they're worth. Hopefully, they give up a first-round pick for next year. Let them come up and get a quarterback. And then you double down on quarterback in 2023. And you now have two first-round picks in 2023. I, I think you probably get a pair of uh, a first and maybe a third out of Pittsburgh for that. Um so you can potentially move two first two thirds move into the top 5 and go get a CJ Stroud if if you can potentially get to number 1 or whatever like whatever you got to do to go and get a quarterback in 2023 in a better class or at least what looks like a better class at this point i'm all about that but to me i don't think the broncos are picking at 9 regardless whether they they miss out on Rodgers or not they're they're not picking at 9 i, I would almost i would almost put money on that they're not going to pick at 9 this year i really would
1: yeah, I mean, if, if they don't get Rodgers, they don't get Wilson, they don't get any of those quarterbacks, I think that they're using it to move down, um, get those extra picks, because we know George Payton. He's very much of the philosophy of the more picks you have, the more dodge you have to throw, the better the chances are. Um, uh, and,
0: so, sorry, uh, tra- Travis jumping in here. Lance, the offensive lineman from Utah you was thinking of last week, was it Nick Ford? No, um, I, I still cannot remember his name. Uh, Eric, go ahead and, and take it for a second. Let me look it up really fast. I'll I'll, I'll come back to you on that.
1: Um, but I mean, who it is, it's always questionable because the thing is, is the the question is, is Pittsburgh really that enamored with Kenny Pickett? Um, there's been so much going around about Malik Willis with them. Um, I mean, it's the same thing with the Carolina Panthers. I mean, there's been a lot there with Kenny Pickett. There's been a lot there with Matt Corral. There's been a lot there with Malik Willis. And so it's, it's hard to say just because a team that's picking, what, where's Pittsburgh picking? Six, 17, 18, something like that somewhere? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, so just because they're they're looking at Kenny Pickett doesn't mean he'll be there. I I believe that two quarterbacks will go in the top 10, and uh, if you want them, you're going to have to give up, or and give up a lot, and I think that would be a mistake, and I think teams kind of feel the same way, which could keep that from happening. So it's just a – they're picking – Pittsburgh's picking at 20. Um, so – It's just a. uh, It's rough at this point to say which which, what's obviously what's going to happen. Draft you never know. But um, I mean Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're one team to look at. Another team that you could possibly be looking at is um, Washington. They seem to be really set on getting going after quarterback this year. Um, Maybe Tampa Bay is looking to move up big with post Tom Brady. Like there's just Uh, so much, so many options. The Saints as black knights. another option there's a lot of options for quarterback for teams needing a quarterback this year which that could help and help denver out i mean it could sit there and it could drive the value up because when to where denver ends up getting a lot of value in return for moving back it's just denver has to have this opinion have to denver will have to give this sense of yeah we're looking at the quarterbacks if they still have pick number nine of course but using that to try to get more to get teams to throw more at them to get to move back off of them Casey Nickel came in with a $20 donation. Thank you, Casey. We appreciate that. Um, as always, all the support from everybody is always appreciative. Um, we're always appreciative. Uh, everyone is dogging on this quarterback class. It is merited. However, it is going to be very interesting to see how this class plays out three years from now. It'd be hilarious to see see it turn out to be a solid quarterback group, Broncos for life. Yeah, I mean, it's all what you were doing is we're just kind of what we know of of them as prospects and kind of projecting them. And the projection of prospects is always where things get iffy. I mean, that's why you see guys who were people dubbed stars, um, like will be stars in the NFL, end up busting. Just because one thing or another always happens to it. With how this class is, it wouldn't be surprising if one of these quarterbacks ends up as a long-term starter quarterback um and a couple others i believe will hang around the nfl for multiple years yeah um there is a chance that three of them end up being great quarterbacks great starters it's just unlikely to happen typically you only get one or two great starters at most out of a class and the rest of them are either
0: out of the league within a few years or
1: are basically backups
0: yeah, it's it's interesting because everyone's like, "Oh, these guys have the potential to be starters in the NFL," and they like the the, but that's the rub. Like, do they actually have potential to be quality starters in the NFL? Or are we talking about guys like Blaine Gabbert, you know, Nick Foles, or hell even Drew Locke? I'm going to say his name. Like, they have the opportunity to be a starter in the NFL, but are they actually going to be long-term quality starters? And that's it. that's the difference. And it's going to be interesting. And like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out three years from now, because go back to, um, what was it 2017? Two, I believe is what it was. Um, Deshaun Watson, you had M- Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Patrick Mahomes, everyone's like, there's a lot of question marks about these guys. There's a lot of talent here. And there's a couple of guys that could potentially turn into be, you know, uh, quality starters, this class isn't like that. Uh, there's some comparisons you can draw some lines. There's there's a lot of stuff that you can like. Um, Malik Willis specifically, Matt Corral as well. But uh, like, are they actually going to turn out to be Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the NFL, or Deshaun Watson, who, despite all of his legal troubles, is one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Like, that's just quite honestly, nobody saw that happening. And to case in point on this. I believe uh, Mahomes was taken after a huge trade-up by the Chiefs at number 10, and Deshaun Watson fell to number 15 overall, like – that's the area these quarterbacks are likely going to be go because there are so many question marks about those guys translating to the NFL based on the air raid offense that you had at at Texas tech and the, the quick one reads a heavy screen play uh, that you got out of Dabo Swinney and um, uh, Deshaun Watson at Clemson. Like there's not anything concrete that you can build on with the tools that these guys have this year to make them like project as quality starters. So that's the conversation, and that's trying to figure out the the finite the finite details in the context of this quarterback class that is so difficult to kind of navigate, especially this year. Uh, Peter jumping in here. Uh, actually, uh, let me run back to Travis Weber. He had the, the question about uh, the Utah offensive lineman. It was uh, Bam Oleseni. He was a right guard, number 77. I like this kid a lot. I cannot wait to bring him this down class. next year. Is he in this year's class? Yeah. I thought that he uh wasn't He was
1: move. really impressive at the collegiate bowl.
0: Yeah, I believe like, is what it was. Yeah, like dude, dude moves, he's got some power to him, so I like him a lot. Uh Peter jumping in here. Uh, third day defensive prospects that you would love the Broncos to get. So let's go into the next part of this conversation because we've gone 40 minutes and only broken down the interior defensive lineman. Um edge defenders here, Eric. Let's get to specific quick ones here. Um, well, real Jeff- quick,
1: let's grab this so we can okay. go back to that, get off the quarterbacks. Casey Niff came with a $10 donation. Josh Allen was a prospect in the draft, but is it just me, or does Kenny Pickett feel like a Josh Allen in the sense of being tall, big, strong, and cold-weather quarterback? Um, It's just you. um, yeah. Kenny Pickett, he's not a cold-weather quarterback. I mean, he in bad weather at Pittsburgh, he didn't play so well. Um, he's not that strong. He's got small hands. He's not big, like not in the same aspect. Josh Allen is he's nowhere near the athlete. Josh Allen is. And with Josh Allen, I mean, a lot of us questioned what he was able to do as a quarterback, but he brought enough as an athlete to sit there and just roll with that and just let him run the ball and do these other things. Well, he worked on his mechanics and the other issues. You don't have that with Kenny Pickett. Um, dudes fumbled like 5,000 times in his, eight year career or however long he's been. I mean, he's been really, he was really bad throughout the majority of his career to his last year. I mean, he finally settled down and it was a really good year, but still a lot of issues holding on to the ball. I mean, it's just, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of comparisons, made with quarterbacks. This is one that I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see anything close to Josh Allen with Kenny Pickett. There's no class in this, no quarterback in this class. That's close to that. Josh Allen, like, Ask um, prospect,
0: no. Um,
1: Kenny Pickett. I mean, if you want the comparison for him, Teddy Two Gloves. I mean, there it is like that's yeah. your pick,
0: uh, comparison. boring, it's, it's bad because it's more athletic but boring. Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, it really is. Um, anyway, so back to it here. Uh, edge defenders. Obviously, we've talked about the, the big names, uh, Carl Loftus, Aiden Hutchinson, who the Broncos aren't going to be able to even smell. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, they're not going to be able to touch him. Um, uh, you, like you could see David Ojabo, uh, Jermaine Johnson, potentially in the top 10 there. Uh, I, I don't, as much as I would love to go get Jermaine Johnson or Ojabo, maybe George Karloftis in in the, in the first round, there's a lot of, there's a handful of guys that you can get in the second and third round. Eric, I'm going to kind of leave it up to you here. I've got Nick Benito here as well, Josh Paschal from Kentucky, um, Majai Sanders as well, a, a guy I know you like is uh, a lot, but there's some head case issues going on with him uh, In uh, Sam Williams. Uh, Alex Wright is getting a lot of a lot of love out of UAB here lately. <laughs> um, there's, there's a handful of guys that you can get at the edge position on day two and day three. What do you think about this uh, edge defender class?
1: Well, I mean, I don't want to talk about Alex Wright because I don't want to get the Matt Miller you know, <laughs> issues that are going on there. Um, but, no, I mean, Dan Brugler was on Alex Wright a while ago, and he actually <laughs> listened to him reading what Dan Brugler does brought Alex Wright to my attention, and there's a lot to like there. Um, for me, he's right on the cusp of being a top 100 pick. Um, Sam Williams, I mean, talking about the Combine – one of the big things with combine is interviews and there is so much Sam Williams has to answer for in the mm-hmm. interviews. That's going to be something that it's like to, to try to help my evaluation of it is I'm going to be asking around and using hearsay and secondhand information to try to figure something out, which which is very risky to do. There's just so many questions for it. Um, with that, the Nick Benito, like, where's he really going to play in the NFL? He's kind of this hybrid type. So they all have questions for them. There's a lot of guys I like, but real quick, Casey came in, $10 nation saying thank you and everything, and we appreciate that. And, yeah, I mean, um, I've seen all sorts of quarterback um, comparisons made on Twitter. Some of them are good. Some of them be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then other one's like, what? And I saw the Kenny Pickett-Josh Allen one. I saw it like three weeks ago, and I remember in – I believe it was in the group chat with Nick Kendall. I remember talking about it with Nick, and both of us were just kind of like bombing at it. Um, but, anyways, back to the question with the edges. Um, there was an edge that was on the top of my tongue that you didn't mention. That's a guy that I really like. Um, in well, kind of the day two aspect.
0: Well, obviously, Boye Mafe is one that we talked about uh, multiple um, different times.
1: Cameron Thomas was the one that was the other one.
0: Like, okay, I'm, I'm a
1: big fan of Boye Mafe, like, um who's athletic. I mean, he's got solid technique. He's got everything that you can work with as a coach. Um, like, I'm such a big fan of his. I have been for a while. I, w- I remember I was watching a different defensive lineman or linebacker on Minnesota, and I just I ended up having to watch the same games over because I just kept focusing in on Boya Moffey. Um And then Cameron Thomas, like, I'm a huge fan of his coming out of um, San Diego State. Yeah, I he, I think it's San Diego State. I always get him, and I believe, um, and him, not Logan Hall. Um, um yeah, he's San Diego State because Kate Hall is, um, San Jose State. And San Jose State, State, yeah. Um, so San Diego State for Cameron Thomas. I mean, he just dominated his comp, whoever he faced against. Like, if you're an offensive tackle and you're playing San Diego State, I mean, you're just were just in for a bad day. Like, it there, didn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Like, he was just going to just go out there beat away at you, get after the quarterback, make plays in the backfield. I think that he's got a lo- lot of upside. I think he's one of those of the high-end edge rushers. He's the one that really seems to be flying under the radar, in my opinion. Huge yeah. fan of Cameron Thomas.
0: So we had a question earlier. I think it was from um, R. Powell, who's been a tremendous sh- supporter of the show. At I, I can't remember who, so if I got the name wrong, I, I do apologize. Uh, they were asking specifically, why is DeMarvin Leal not a – really good fit for this Broncos team and there's a lot to like there. there's he's strong on the edge, sets a pretty good edge in the running game. not a whole lot as a pass rusher, but you can develop some of the tools that he has long, strong, um, full of piss and vinegar. but there's some scheme limitations, Eric. and you brought this up to me and I actually agree with you Demarvin Leal speak to him.
1: Um, where do you want to play him at? like there's he he's he's limited, but at the same time he's not limited um if you're playing him more on the outside as a seven technique like fine like that's great you can do that you can see him success you want him with his hand in the dirt um helps him with his get off a little bit more he brings a little bit more pop into contact that way than when he's standing and working out of a two-point stance um
0: i just had the the like an epiphany here and i I don't know if you're gonna agree with me on this one or not he is more athletic aj epinesa fight me
1: hmm
0: like, seriously, like, he's got a, a better get-off, more athleticism, a little bit more bend, but they're – like, he's A.J. Epinesa. He's not big enough to AJ play Epinesa on the inside of the five. More,
1: I think A.J. Epinesa had a little bit more power to handle moving inside a little bit, being a more five technique. I think if right. you move in DeMarvin Leal against the run, specifically inside as a five technique, four technique, four I you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. As a pass rusher, I think using his quickness, stunting him inside from a um, a seven-point stance – or a seven technique and, and a three point stance, then he can be effective. You can even on certain situations and obvious passing downs move him into three technique and see him cross the face of guards, crossing the center, getting after the quarterback that way. DeMarvin is a good pass rush prospect. Really good pass rush prospect. I just don't know if he has what it takes to be a consistent run defender, and you're gonna want to put him want to put him in a position in run um obvious running situations to limit the negative impact that he's gonna bring.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jeff noise says time to go. Good night, everybody. Good night, Jeff. Hopefully you catch the rest of the show some other time. And we appreciate you for joining us. We appreciate everybody for joining us. Um, Black Knight, Dylan as well. CC, uh, Jeff, Peter, um, everybody that's joined in and, and jumped into the conversation. Let's move this conversation forward just a little bit here and go to the off ball linebacker prospects. Um, there's a handful here that I, this linebacker class is actually pretty stacked. Like, there's a lot of guys to like here. Um, guys that wear some multiple hats. There's some athletic guys, guys that are going to be limited in the NFL because of their athleticism. A guy that we're going to see here at the combine, uh, in Brian Asamoa from, um, from Oklahoma uh kind of limited as far as the athlete goes but he it plays pretty heady um hits his landmarks does pretty decently in coverage but there's some length concerns there there's some athleticism concerns there as well uh Troy Anderson um from Montana State who is an athletic freak you want to talk about two polar opposite kinds of players as far as athleticism goes uh look at Brian Anderson uh, or uh, Brian uh, Brian Asamoah and Troy Anderson excuse me um you got Terrell Bernard, uh, Damon Clark, uh, the the top names in Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd. Uh, there's Nate Landman from Colorado. That's a local favorite that has um, the, some decent athleticism. And I actually like him as a run defender. Actually, let me take that back. Not the greatest athlete, but there's something to work with. Great run downhill run defender is a big thing with him. Uh, Jojo Doman as well. Uh, Chad Muma, uh, Eric's dude from Wyoming, like, there's a lot to like here, Eric. What do you think about this uh, this uh, NFL Combine class at the linebacker position?
1: Um, Nate Landman, like, special team-only linebacker at best. Like, <laughs> uh, keep him away from defense. I, I don't like what he offers up there for the NFL. Um, great college, Buffalo. Like, great doing it in college. Being great in college doesn't mean it. it's going to be great in the NFL. Um, JoJo out of Nebraska is a guy who's very interesting to me because he was basically their slot corner this last year. At 230 pounds, he's quick, he's agile. Like you want a guy who can sit there and potentially be this cover linebacker. There you go. I mean, he's so much fun to watch, which is nice because I haven't had a fun Nebraska prospect to watch in a long time. Um, and he was probably I mean since there's a i know there's a rivalry between them too i mean he was it's more fun watching him than any iowa prospect i've watched for a, of, <laughs> for, for a
0: couple of years too. Uh,
1: i gotta make sure i let nick know of that one too um but no jojo Doman. i mean i'm a big fan of him um i like what he brings he's moving up the more i watch of him a little bit i'm not fully done in my study of him a little bit um another couple linebackers that i like um i like nicobe dean i know that there's a lot of talk that he's going to not come in that he's going to come in below 220 pounds are questioning his ability to cover linebackers well i think i think he could he'll be able to do it just fine um i'm more concerned about him at that weight of coming downhill against the run i like quay walker a little bit um yeah. Muma, i've talked about quite like a lot on here as being a big fan of him What he can bring i like this linebacker class it's one of my favorite classes overall um of in this draft like it's not you don't have elite talent but you have a couple really good top talents and then you have really good depth at it
0: uh peter middleton jumping in here saying uh the broncos didn't choose someone from alabama for years until recently are there other big college teams that the broncos seem to never draft from off the top of my head i don't remember the last time the broncos drafted a clemson tiger like it's george foster maybe like, honestly, I, I think that might be the last one. It's been a long time since they've drafted someone from Clemson. Um, I know they had uh, Jarvis Moss from Florida. Uh, obviously, last year they tapped into Ohio State. Uh, they've, I, th- I think they had an Oklahoma kid there as well.
1: Um, I, mean, it, 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 I mean, there's the, always going to be, like, some time between drafting a prospect just because, uh, first of all, do they have one? Uh, does that team have a good prospect that year? Does it fall to them? Right. Like there's so many variables in it. And it was like the whole thing with Alabama was just a situation of like the prospects just weren't there where they were comfortable taking them. Um, Because I remember that there was a year where Denver really liked an Alabama prospect and he just didn't fall to them.
0: It was uh, uh, the uh, Reggie Ragland or uh, CJ Mosley. It was CJ Mosley. They, they yeah. were they were all in yeah. on CJ Mosley linebacker.
1: Yeah, there's a there's there's a few of them. I mean, it's been a while since they've drafted um, from multiple schools because I mean, well over a hundred schools, hundred colleges yeah. putting prospects forward, and you have maybe at most roughly ten picks. Sometimes you can get a little bit closer to fifteen, um, but that's just very
0: rare. So yeah,
1: this doesn't happen for a while. I wish that the streak for drafting from Iowa was a little bit longer.
0: But <laughs> it does. It well, does seem they go to the, uh, to the Iowa. Well, more often than not, I will, I will say that. Uh, I'd say
1: something nice about Iowa, but I know it'd get back to Nick and I just can't have that.
0: Well, it, it I can't say that. I can't say that on the air. There's there's something that there's a joke that runs around Iowa, but uh we, we we can't say that one online. Uh our pal jumping in here. What about uh what input do you guys have on Darian Beavers, the linebacker from Cincinnati? Um, I like him. Uh moves okay, probably more uh two down linebacker coming downhill. You're not gonna have him in coverage very often. Um, I don't think he has the athleticism to survive. Um, scrapes well, tackles well, but for the most part, probably not a guy that Denver is going to be looking at unless they're just kind of looking to bolster special teams. If you can get him early, early, early day three, maybe in the fourth round, then I'd be all right with it. But I'm not a huge fan of Beavers as far as coverage linebackers go. Um, and you need that athleticism and Beavers just doesn't have it.
1: So real quick, you said, um, about Clemson, the last time they drafted a Clemson player was Bryant McNeil, a defensive end in 2013. And they actually had back-to-back picks from Clemson on the defensive line with Nick Eason being the pick before that 14 picks between the two of them.
0: That's uh, that's a good find. And thank you for that. So 2013, Uh, that's a long time. 2003, 2003. Sorry. I I thought you said 2013.
1: (laughs) I may have Uh, supposed to be 2003. Um, Hawaii, I mean, hasn't? I don't think they've drafted one since Ashley Lee. Yeah,
0: two thousand. getting sidetracked here
1: with um with Beavers, um, talking about Beavers here. Um, if this was about 15, 20 years ago, Beavers is a first round pick. Yep, but he just fits that old school style linebacker. I think he can do all right now. I think the instincts there are enough, and um, the awareness is good enough that he can do well and and not necessarily thrive, but be con- a consistent performer as a starter on defense. But there's a lot you have to overcome. I like that he can bring some good ability on special teams as well, punt return and kick return. Um, but it's just depends on what you're doing defe- defensively. You want to be more of an old-school traditional 4-3 front, which NFL is shifting away from more and more every single year. So it's not just how much value can he bring now. How Much value you can he bring throughout the rest of the rookie contract? And that's just a uh, um, a little bit of concern I have there with Beavers. But I like him, I like that he, he's kind of a tone setter on defense.
0: Yeah, quick question here. Um, quick breakdown. Uh, Nephi Sewell, I believe he's Penny Sewell's younger brother, plays at Utah linebacker. Um, not a great athlete. I just want your quick thoughts on him.
1: Um, ask me again sometime when I actually get around to watching to him because he's a guy that. I just don't think that he's going to um, be drafted.
0: I, I don't think he's going to either. It was just a, a name that I had recognized on the, on the combine list um, could do well for himself by running well, but just, you no. Know. I mean,
1: I caught, I've caught a little bit of him watching Lloyd and he's okay, but I haven't focused in on him enough
0: to really write like a, right.
1: honestly a concrete opinion, but
0: all right. Uh, Quick breakdown here. We're at fifty-eight minutes. We can run just a few minutes. We got to be done before ten after the hour. So uh, we're seven oh two right now. Um, let's break down some quarterbacks really fast. Well,
1: real quick here, I just want to grab this from Eddie. Um, well, Eric, when they draft Linderbaum, you ha- we'll have to deal with it. If they draft Linderbaum, it means another Iowa player is gone. Denver has a limit on how many Iowa players they have. I'm convinced of it.
0: It's they've good. never broke.
1: They've never broken like five or six Iowa players on their roster.
0: Watch Bush, it be Michael. Watch it be Michael Ojemudia because they're going to take it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he is. a free agent. That's true.
1: But um, you, um, Dino actually asked, "What are your thoughts on drafting Oll in the first round?" I like Winderbaum and Cross. I mean, I'm all for both. throwing the offensive line, I like Winderbaum. Improve the center position. I like Cross yep. for what the defense are doing. I was watching a Cross game earlier, and ooh, it was rough. And it was one that's like, if you have Cross as offensive tackle one, that's a game that you probably should look at. And not necessarily re you re-evalu- reevaluate your full opinion on him, but just like it, it was a rough showing from Charlie Cross. That really shows all these issues he has, handling strength, handling power. Um, because I don't I've never thought he was the strongest. He's just a really good athlete, and he just was a really iffy with his reads, lack of effort when he was moving to the outside, too. Really poor attempts climbing to this like a like,
0: lot of issues from Charlie Cross. That One of the biggest things with Charlie Cross um is I hate to call a a guy that's going to be like going to play professional football soft, but you want to talk about a player that plays soft. He doesn't look for contact running down the field. He's not the best run, run blocker in pass protection. He like, if you get a good bull rush against him, he backs off. He he doesn't have the great technique to deal with. Like he doesn't drop his ass and anchor like, There are some things about Charles Cross. Like, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of athleticism. He does really well as far as his hand placement and stuff goes. But, man, like, I don't want to call him soft because that's not that's not like it's it's like calling a player a bum. Like, you don't want to say that to their face. But damn it, Charles Cross has issues there for sure as far as playing with elite physicality. Let's just put it that way. Cause he's not a physical player. He's just not, he's a finesse player. He likes to move out in space and kind of just pitter pat and stuff like that. He's not a guy to go stuff his nose into your chest plate and drive you into the ground. You never see those blocks with him. You just never do. And that yeah. to me is an issue.
1: Yeah. There was one play against in this game. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, what team they were playing, but he dealt with a speed to power conversion from a, um, defensive lineman that landed a really strong punch on him and it was like in a video game when he stunned somebody in a fight and they're just kind of standing there like it was a good five seconds of cross not moving not reacting not doing anything and by the time he reacted the quarterback was already in the move having to
0: escape from the pressure like it was it was rough yeah I, like i said there, there's a lot of athleticism a lot of tools to work with with cross but i'm not sure that i'd put him in the top 10 i i really don't like just because i i see those physicality no. issues with him and there's it's it, it's something to me like it, it really is something to me like I, I like him i like him as far as pass protection his footwork his athleticism goes there's that the physicality you have to be willing to go and hit somebody in this game especially at the NFL level because if you don't you're gonna be andre Dillard like i, I think that's your comparison for him right Andre dillard mm-hmm like, like, and he is not good, <laughs> not good. So I think he's
1: it, more athletic and more technical sound than Andre Dillard, but I honestly I think that he has more issues with with strength and power than Andre Dillard did.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, damn! I wanted to get into these cornerbacks. Um, quickly, Eric, we've talked about Sauce. We've talked about um all the top guys booth uh roger mccreary we haven't got into yet today but it's probably going to be out of the broncos range unless they want to trade back um a couple of uh day two guys that you like and then we'll wrap this up and get out of here
1: um i really like martin emerson the more i've watched of him out of mississippi state i believe off the top yep. of my head yep. um but i mean we talked about him a, a lot a couple weeks ago when we did the mock draft marcus Jones out of houston I'm really intrigued to see how big he measures at the Combine. Um, there's been a lot of chatter that he's not going to crack 5'7", 180, 170. Like, there's a lot of time about him being even smaller than uh, a lot of people believe. Um, so I- I'm kind of curious about that. I mean, I just love what he can bring as a playmaker in the secondary and um, as a returner. And I love the fact that despite a small, he doesn't play to his size. He plays much right. bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. It's just you're gonna to have to be very cautious about who you get him mixed up against or matched up against. Um, Kyler Gordon out of Washington's all right. Um, I like Kobe Bryant. Um, Dino kind of just mentioned him from Cincinnati. Um, there's another corner that I like quite a bit too. Uh,
0: um, Cece jumping in here with uh, Tariq Woolen from UTSA. Um, long, strong, physical, decent mover. I, I like he's him. He's fast. Not Very fast, most,
1: most fluid. Um, could definitely handle a little bit of uh issues of, of power at the point of attack and um, I, pow- I um, do issues, issues with contact through out routes from wide receivers that kind of want to bully him a little bit. Um, so he, he's he's a good runner, but uh, there's some other stuff that you kind of got to work on with him.
0: So there's two guys, and I don't know much about him. I know that one of them actually had a pretty decent senior bowl, and another one is um, I believe he's the only division two. Defensive player. Well, I, I, where did I see that? I think he's a, it, I know he's Division Two. It might be the, one of the only Division Two players that was actually uh, invited to the combine. Um, Josh Williams from Fayetteville State and then Sam Webb. From uh, Missouri Western State University, uh, two small school guys that have a potential to be um, big risers at the combine. This is an opportunity for them to show their athleticism, um, obviously get measured, and just be put up side by side with some of the big boys. So those are some names to watch. Like quite, on. I know, I know, Josh Williams is actually getting some like third and fourth round love. Like he might actually be a top one hundred pick from the sound of it.
1: Yeah, he's been getting a lot of a lot of hype. I guess he showed up really well at the um, HBCU um, combine that they had, um, and uh, I he showed up to senior bowl.
0: Yeah, he, he was one, at the senior bowl. Yeah, he showed up there. Senior
1: bowl. There was a lot of positive chatter about him coming out of it. Haven't been able to watch him when you get to small schools like that. Like finding getting the ability to watch some of their games gets really rough. Uh, so I haven't really
0: watched him or Sam Webb. Yeah. I haven't got a chance obviously to see either of those guys yet, but I'm intrigued. I am intrigued. Um, There was a lot of chatter about Sam Webb that I was just trying to find out who he was. Um, So maybe day three guy, potentially undrafted guy, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this combine all shakes out. But anyways, with that guys, we definitely got to get out of here. Thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley deep divers podcast. And thank you again, Michael, for your continued love and support and everything that you do. We definitely appreciate you all for showing up here tonight. Uh, you guys can find us on Twitter by following me, at SandersonMHH for Eric, at Eric Trickle. Also, shout out to Scott Kennedy behind the scenes, uh, at Scout Kennedy. Um, Folks, while you're at it, uh, at DVD underscore pod, you're going to find out what we're talking about every single week on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. You also have at Mile High Huddle, where you're going to get breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos. Uh, Film breakdowns, opinion articles, all of our draft content is going to go up there. Uh, We're going to be getting you individualized scouting reports coming here probably towards the end of the month. We'll get started rolling all of those out on our top 100 players between me and Eric. So uh, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle for all of that. Uh, Facebook users go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Click that blue, become a supporter button. So you can get the trickle zone every Saturday. You can also get Kelberman's corner and Broncos book club with Chad Jensen um folks if you guys are financially able to do so head on over to huddleuppod.com that's the merch tent where you guys can get all of the swag that you guys need uh for every single show including dvdd you've got broncos for breakfast with scott and nick you've got building the broncos um mile high insiders also the huddle up podcast something for the guys something for the gals anything to suit your fancy uh you guys can find that at huddleuppod.com and if you guys are not interested in doing so if you guys are not you know financially able to do so we definitely understand we appreciate all of your guys' support but three things everybody should be doing is subscribe wherever you guys are watching this on youtube specifically facebook twitter twitch does not matter subscribe to mile high huddle like every video you guys see and if you love it share it get it in front of as many broncos fans as humanly possible across all social media platforms because without your guys' support we could not do what we do best which is cover your denver broncos now with that eric uh, quickly, any last words?
1: Yeah, I mean, thank you guys for joining. I'll be back with Trickle Zone tomorrow. Hopefully, it doesn't get canceled again. Just some uh, family time last week and not being able to do it. And with Valentine's Day coming up, which I hope all of you who celebrate Valentine's Day had a wonderful, wonderful holiday. But uh, I'm so exhausted. I'm ready to get to sleep. I mean, I've just been between getting draft stuff done and then stuff for D&D, Like, I'm so exhausted. Yeah. But, uh, thank you guys for watching us. We'll be back next week. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll be talking more Combine. And I'm just, I'm, you know, I love the draft time of year, but the draft time of year is the year of no sleep for me.
0: <laughs> it's the year of no sleep for everybody. Or the time of no sleep. Yeah. It's, it. well, I, I understand where you're coming from, but, uh, yeah, no sleep, uh, brain fog is big. Like getting players mixed up and crossed up is a, is a big thing that oh, I deal with. If, it's if you awful... can't tell
1: my biggest issue is remembering which players is what, from what school. There's so many that I like, I can get I'm so confused. Like yeah, there's been times where I've been talking about Charles cross and it's like, um, what school again? Like, even if I watch, I've watched enough of them. Like I just can't remember. I'll always remember. I mean, 400 plus players that like,
0: yeah yep nah but anyways guys with that you all stay safe take care have a great weekend please stay safe don't do anything dumb we want to see you guys back the same time same place next week on the dub valley deep divers podcast and as always when we get out of here go broncos we'll see you later you've been listening to the huddle up podcast join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going